Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. It's another episode of the Maroon Mike. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm Who's going to talk? Hey, <laughs> I guess we'll go. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go first. I'm one of the co-hosts, Lounge Dog. I'm a another co-host, Daniel Faulkner. And to complete this roundtable, I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. <laughs> Y'all couldn't tell we didn't rehearse that. I kind of wanted to see what uh, how that would go. Well, you got to start um, with the best. Exactly. <laughs> Me. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if, you, if, you, if, if you're just brain dead and you didn't realize, it's all four of us on here, all four uh, co-hosts of the Maroon Mike. Everybody has been elevated to co-host. I know, I guess some – we're uncomfortable with that definition from the get-go. Some people not named Lounge Dog had trouble becoming a co-host in their own hearts and minds. But we're here, and uh, it's football season. Uh, I know whatever you call it, Premier League just started. Major League Baseball is going on, and that's all fine and good. I love the Braves. i got my hat on right now. It's football season. NFL has already started pre uh, preseason. Uh, training camps already started for college. Everybody's practicing. We'll have a football game here in about uh, like 10 days. Week zero games. I'm good with the week zero designation. Some people get mad at it. I like, I think that's a good name. But we get, it all does Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Who's down? Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Hawaii absolutely. Party? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, everybody's excited for football season. We've got a really special show uh, for y'all today. Really can't wait to uh, to get into here. We've got lots of just football-related questions, things that's going to talk about this season, some predictions, some hot takes, some uh, discussions about individual players and, and both schemes and, and big things as a whole. Uh, not really, you know, your typical preview episode. Obviously, there's four of us. Uh, you're going to have a little bit of flavor to kind of come across like a panel discussion maybe. But we're not just going to, you know – do an, an offensive episode or a defensive episode. We're not going to uh, do some of the things that are done to death, I think, in, in the realm of podcasts uh, these days. I know there's, you know, at least a half dozen that y'all can listen to. And uh, it's just, it is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Andrew's done a lot of the planning for this. And so we hope y'all enjoy. And uh, don't can't guarantee it. Uh, we'll ever have all four of us on here again, but we won't rule it out if y'all do enjoy what you're getting here. Yeah, um, yeah. This, this is an idea I had to throw together as a way to preview the season. Um, I, you know, we haven't had an episode where with everyone on at once, and obviously part of that's because we were all kind of brought in for different roles initial, initially, and getting everyone to be able to schedule at the same time can be its own you know difficult issue. But I thought football season um, coming up, and you know, obviously with how big that is and upcoming season, there's some pretty high expectations for Mississippi state now amongst the fan base. I thought it'd be a really good idea to us all in here and get us all previewing the season. And like, like Colton said, it's not just going to be, okay, you know, this is the offense, this is the defense, this is what we're doing. Like we're going to go through a lot. We're going to name some guys that we think would be breakout players, take a look at some upset chances on the schedule, um, go through some hot takes, a lot of really good discussion. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. And, I mean, do, should we get going right away here? Get talking about the uh, offensive side of the ball? Nothing better to do than that, I guess. All right. So, uh, first part of this, we're just going to overlook um, 
and we're not going to go super in depth on this because we know this has been talked about a ton by any outlets you can go and find, but kind of want to get looking at an overview of MSU's team for the upcoming season. Offensively, it's year three of Mike Leach. Um, obviously for the whole team, but specifically when you talk about this team in the air raid, year three is kind of a big deal. Uh, year three is sort of seen as the uh, stepping, well, not full stepping stone year, like kind of the arrival year for what you do offensively. Um, you look at Texas Tech, there was an improvement from year one to year two, and then year three on offense, big time breakthrough. Um, when you look at Washington State, improvement from year one to year two, they struggled overall as a team his third season at Wazoo was not because of their offense. Their defense was atrocious. They lost like five games where they scored 30-plus points. Uh, they put up massive numbers on the offensive side of the ball that year. You're hoping to see a similar transition here at Mississippi State, and it certainly helps. You have a third-year starter at quarterback, Will Rogers. You have a ton of experience back on both sides of the ball, but you look at the offense with your three interior offensive linemen returning, uh, most of your top contributing wide receivers, top two running backs, and you got a lot of depth as well. Um, so – with this team in the system, uh, you're kind of just trying to see, can they fully get settled in? And, you know, for people who have had their questions about the air raid at Mississippi state and in the sec, I feel like this is the year where a lot of those, a lot of those questions are going to be answered. Probably, you know, we're going to get a good idea of what this is going to look like going forward. Once we get through this season. Going to be a fun time. We got lots of, uh, Lots of optimism, I think, in Starkville. Uh, maybe I feel like this is a year where a lot of programs have a lot of optimism, and it's it's. There's, I think, there's maybe more unknowns this year than many years. It wasn't a huge coaching cycle. It's not like we're breaking in four coaches in the division, like we have been some of these years, you know. Uh, so I think that's a little bit funny how that worked out. But in any case, uh, there's expectations in Starkville this year. I don't know if the expectations are what they were in 2018. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't expect this to be like a 2014 year, but I do expect it to be A, better than last year, and B, cautiously, I, I think even uncautiously, I can, I can build, kind of confidently say better than last year, even if the record doesn't reflect it. But cautiously, I think a season that we could all hang our hats on uh, this year. But it'll be – it remains to be seen, of course, but – What's uh what's the first item on the agenda for our discussion, Andrew? By the way, well, I mean, I was just gonna you know see if anybody had any thoughts uh, since we started talking about the offensive side of the ball. I mean, what is everyone looking for this year? What are you kind of hoping to see out of the offense in this upcoming season? Well, yeah, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna see if the if we use the running game a little, even a little tad more than we did last year, uh, with uh, with marks, and because there were so many, uh, because the red zone, the red zone efficiency was uh, had a lot to be desired. See if we try to use him more in the red zone than what we actually did. Yeah, I mean, I, I can totally see that. Um, such a big part of state being able to run the football. I mean, it goes back to Will Rogers, right? He has to make those checks at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's a big part of what you should expect from a year three quarterback. Um, I think I've mentioned this on here before. When you look at Mike Leach's quarterbacks, by the time they hit year three, a lot of those guys are like 70% of the plays are being checked at the line. Um, and you, you literally will get to a point that Gardner Minshew mentioned this 
uh, in an interview we did, like Leach will literally just give him a formation. For, it'll be like formation and then check. And that means you get up the line and you call the play. Because, you know, Leach's philosophy is you can see the de- defense better than me. And that's where the run game comes from, is you get up to the line, you see what we have in the box, you see if we have leverage. It, leverage. You want to check and do a run, go ahead. And we did a better job of that last year and being able to take advantage of it. But, uh, that you know, certainly you, you hope to see more of that out of Will this season and make, making the right calls. The other side of that is State does have to be just better up front blocking in the run game as well. That I, I've talked about this before where you, you can say you want State to run the ball, but the problem is last year we weren't exactly great at running the ball. We had a few games where we were pretty good, but we couldn't always get that consistent push. So, that you know, hopefully that's an improved part of it because – you know, look, if you're going to get the opportunities in the run game, you want to be able to take advantage of it. But uh, you're not helping yourself if you're not as effective when you're doing it. So I think more so for me, it's just when we run the ball, I want to be better at it than what we were last year. Oh, yeah, there, there's a lot of reason to be excited this year. Um, you know, and, and ever since so 2018, all the excitement we had on that, you know, I was like, OK, maybe I shouldn't be as excited. And, and I'm always just, you know, excited for football in general. Uh, you know, the, just the season of it is is so much fun, you know, and every Saturday is just you're doing one thing. You're watching football, you know, and, and that's what you do. I do really think that our, our defense has a lot of room to step up. Right. And I mean, offense is, is going to be a Mike Leach offense. And and just like Andrew was saying, I mean, Will Rogers, it's all up to him. Uh, and, and I mean, I think we can all agree we've seen a huge improvement, like week to week basis on his decision making. Uh, and like the accuracy's been there. Right? That's just what he was when he came to school here. Just a decently accurate quarterback. Uh, but you saw week to week last year, the, the week one Will Rogers is very different than the week 10 Will Rogers against Auburn. Uh, very different guy. Absolutely. Um you know, you do have some big pieces to fill on offense. Obviously, you're losing Charles Cross at left tackle. And right now, it's kind of a battle between – kind of feels like Cotravius, uh, Dollar Bill Johnson's leading that way, leading the way there with Percy Lewis kind of uh, backing him up, but still a chance there to win that job for both of them. Kind of switching back and forth right now between uh, Albert Reese and – I'm, I'm showing – I'm screwing up here. I'm forgetting the name here. It's uh, Cam Jones. Reese is looking – what was that? Cam Jones. Cam Jones. Cam Jones and Albert Reese are kind of competing simultaneously for right guard and right tackle. They're kind of figuring out who's going to take which role. Um, kind of feels like Jones might end up actually being the right tackle because that's your other spot you're losing by losing Scott Lashley. And, I mean, look, we, we don't want to bash anyone, but I think we can all agree that was that was a weak point for MSU a year ago, and it's possible that there may be some addition by subtraction at right tackle. Um Obviously, the other big thing you're looking for at offense is who steps up at the Z receiver spot when you lose Makai Polk. Polk came in last year as a transfer and immediately became Will Rogers' go-to guy. Set a school record for catches and yards in a single season. That's a big hole to fill, but it does sound like we have some promising guys behind him. So, look, I think year three of Will Rogers in this system and just year three in general, how many guys out here who were freshmen or sophomores back in 2020 that were being thrown into the fire by the back half of that season because of how many issues State had with injuries, with COVID, and we're just out there in a really tough spot who are now – they've seen it all. They've been in this system. Like, you should feel confident that this offense can take a step forward. You do have a couple big spots to fill, but 
got a lot of options. So I, I'm definitely excited to see offensive improvement this upcoming season. Yeah, I think uh, just as far as filling in those pieces goes, you're not – I think everybody knows this. You're not going to probably have another Makai Polk. How do you replace the, that production? Well, it's by committee. I mean, this is a this is a uh, offense where the eighth or ninth receiver is still catching 15, 20 passes in a season. Uh, we saw that last year. And I think also with offensive line, everybody's thinking, oh, we got to get the, the, the best tackle. We got to have get two tackles that are the best they could possibly be. I think that's also kind of done by committee. It's not about going and finding the best tackles you can possibly have and the best offensive player you can get sticking them at tackle. It's about finding a unit that gels and that can communicate well with each other and that plays good as a unit, uh, as, a, as an overall group. And you've got the talent to put those pieces together. It's up to the coaches uh, to figure out where they go. That's why you've seen Albert Reese slide in, inside and outside. Travis Johnson, same thing. Cole Smith has also played multiple positions. Steven LaSoya was recruited as a tackle. He was a guard in the spring, and I've heard he's worked at center more in a backup role this uh, this fall. It's all about finding the, they're putting the piece in the right place because we have the pieces. I don't think talent-wise, you're going to have such a hole in any of these positions to where we can't we can't hang. Like unlike unlike kind of last year at right tackle. There's not a situation where you don't have a guy that's capable. It's about getting the best out of them by, by putting them in the right position to succeed. Yeah, I think if somebody steps up at left tackle, I think this offense is going to be in really good position. You mentioned the wide receiver depth. I am very excited about this wide receiver core. Um, everything oh, I've heard. They need to be more physical. They do, but they had a good bounce back after kind of a poor scrimmage on, on Saturday. And – Everything I've, I've seen, it's been very back and forth between those sides. But, I mean, and we can maybe transition some of the defense here. Like, I actually think that may be a good sign because I know the talent State has in this receiving court. And the secondary was a question coming into the year. When you lose Martin Emerson, it was a weak point for you last year to, uh, anyway, When you especially when you talk about the safety position and got some transfers in there, got some new guys moving to step up. I, it sounds like there's a lot of improvements to the secondary as well. So, um I don't know if that's all on, you know, like, yeah, obviously Leach wants him to be more visible when he's talked about, the, you know, kind of settling in your core group of eight or nine guys that you're really going to go to. Um, but I do think part of that is just the defense could be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what Marcus Banks might look like coming in. Some of those the other JUCO transfers, see what kind of how they can fill in that role, try to even try to somewhat even fill part of that role of uh, Martin Emerson left, because I know everybody's going to have a big scout report on Emmanuel Forbes. Probably wouldn't throw his would treat him now like they did Martin, just not throw his direction. So. So yeah, those guys are gonna those guys are gonna get tested early and often. So excited to see what how it looks. Absolutely. Um, Emmanuel Forbes is taking over that number one role, and we, we know what we have from him. He's gonna be a lockdown guy there on the outside. But you mentioned Marcus Banks. It, it really does sound like he's been coming along a lot and starting to turn some heads. But I mean, we we can't forget about the Cameron Richardson. Last year was you know thrown into a tough spot in that Kentucky game when Emerson was ejected. Um, and you're talking about, well, crap. Now he's got to deal with Wandell Robinson. Josh Ali was a good backup receiver for the Cats last season. It was like, okay, yeah, we trust Forbes, but 
that this could be bad. And he handled that role really well. And everything out there says from spring ball all the way through fall, the man's been handling his business. And I think he's going to take that other starting corner spot. And, but when you take that, you're starting to hear good things about Marcus Banks as well. And I mean, the Carlos Nicholson was obviously a big time ad for you out of the Ju- uh, Juco ranks. I feel really good about these corners. I think state's going to have a good group there. And I think the safety play is going to improve as well. Getting Jalen green to return, I thought was a really good thing for you. Um, he, you know, he got lumped in with a lot of you know poor play from the safety group last season, but I thought he played pretty well. He was a good impact player for state. And now you're adding out of the transfer portal, Jackie Matthews from West Virginia, who this is another guy that there's a lot, a lot of buzz around what he's adding to the secondary. I think state's in a position where maybe early in the season, you still have to figure some things out back there, but I think they have a, they've improved their secondary group overall. And I think when you start talking about this defense, that's kind of a big thing. If you get better play on the back end, um, I think it's going to be a nasty group. Yeah, I'm right there. I love the defense. I mean, the secondary looks so solid. We, we talk about the depth in the quarterback room with all the guys we got in there, but really that secondary, like there is a lot of depth and then there's a lot of room for, you know, someone gets tired, you know, you can throw someone else in and, and just real quick, get them right back out there. Um, I'm right there with Andrew. I mean, I think Jalen Green's going to have a great year. I mean, he, he's, he played great. You know, like I like said, a few few rough moments in there. I mean, uh, secondary, the safeties weren't that great last year, but I think the improvement that we have and the depth that we now have there, I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, the only questions I have are like really the defensive line. You know, can they hold their own? I mean, historically, these last this last decade, we have been a phenomenal defensive line university, and and you know, we had it solid last year with, you know, you know, I thought Randy Charlton did a did a fairly good job. You know, just being thrown in at the at the uh, um, the defensive end spot, and and even um, Jaden Crumedy and Cameron Young, they're at the the center. You know, I want to see more of Nathan Pickering. I, he, he's, you know, he had one or two bright moments so far here at State, but like we expected, I won't say Jeffrey Simmons level type of production on the defensive line, but we expected a lot. I mean, Flor- Florida was trying so hard to get him. Uh, whenever I remember that in recruitment and and you know it was a big deal that we got him to campus and it just feels like he's been behind a bit and I mean maybe that's just sign of the depth and and just offensive lines are putting the extra work against us I don't know uh, but but it's definitely it's tough to to see the defensive line just kind of not be at the same level it was I mean I remember my freshman year it was the, the best defensive line in the country right when you had the 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 monstrous four guys up there Simmons sweat green and when Hoyette and all the other guys you could just sub in and out um and obviously we're never going to have that again but we do we do want to keep seeing that Mississippi State level of defensive line so I hope they they kind of figure that out some that's the one question that I have on this year's defense love the uh the Hoyette name drop there super underrated player at Mississippi State uh and all four of those guys played professional football in some capacity so what it really was uh, a big time. I think um, defensively, I think you got no, really nowhere to go but up. Uh, last year, believe it or not, you're, th- you're ranked 30th in total defense. That sounds pretty good. Part of that, and this, this defense always is, it's kind of weird it's because of the linebacker play, actually, and how they fill their gaps and stuff. But even though it's a 3-3-5, you have more defensive backs than you uh, have in most schemes. You have less defensive linemen. Thir- uh, 12th in the country in rush defense. 12th in rush defense, 
This is where it has to get better, though. These are three numbers that have to get better. To, uh, pass defense, total pass defense, you're 72nd in the country. Red zone defense, you're 92nd. And then you're 68th, tied for, for 68th in turnovers force. Those are uh, those are things that I expect to come up simply because of this. You have restocked the cupboard on the back end of that defense. Early on in Mike Leach's tenure, and and all due respect to these guys, you know, Darth Selma Bath and Jason Washington had kind of uh, I don't want to say missed, just a little bit, maybe, maybe poor planning is a better word on some of the uh, recruitment of some defensive backs. And a part of and you can blame Joe Moorhead for some of that too, especially the uh, that. 2020 year um but now they've really gotten it gotten the swing of it you, you pick up Jalen Green last offseason and that was big and that was just a taste of what was to come you've added Jackie Matthews who I think is going to start uh from West Virginia that's an experienced player that's been around the block junior college West Virginia now back to here had to face off against those tough Oklahoma uh, uh offenses that run similar type of schemes that we want re uh run at Mississippi State but you, he's used to big offenses, you know, going out there and putting up points. He's, he, he knows how to handle that. You added uh, Jordan Morant, who I don't know how much he'll play this year, and Hunter Washington from Michigan and Florida State, respectively. But that lens goes to what you're talking about, talking about depth. Uh, you're building to depth at position. I think some of those are, are going to be get them ready for next year type of things. But if you, we also talked about how, you know, we threw Jordan, Rod, uh, Jordan Rogers, listen to me, Will Rogers. <laughs> Will Rogers and um, these running backs, these receivers of uh, into the fire in 2020, kind of by necessity, you actually also got the same thing defensively from some of these guys. Emmanuel Forbes, we threw him out there in the LSU game, and he ended up starting a couple games later in, in the rest of history. Colin Duncan, he gets talked bad about a lot. Last year, I think Colin Duncan benefited or was the victim of a poor – not poor is a bad word to say it, but a, not a great pass rush. That was living him. I mean, he's a safety. You're not. You don't need safeties covering receivers for three or four seconds. You're, you can't expect that. Sean Preston is a bit of your run-stopping safety, but those are also guys that got a lot of experience over the past two years, and their experience is just as valuable as uh, you know Will Rogers and those guys' experience up front. I really like uh, what we have up front with Jordan Davis being back. If you can get a bit of a pass rush, Tyrus Wheat on the other end as a linebacker is an absolute freak. Those two bookend pass rushers, I think, are going to give teams problems and then make the back end of the defense a little bit better. If you can be better in the red zone, if you can be better through the air, maybe the turnovers come up, maybe they don't. That's kind of a bit of a fluke thing, but it, they should. I think you're going to see a top 25 uh, defense. Run defense-wise, I expect it to be as good as it's been, if not better. Um, it, I don't expect it to get much worse. I still think it'll be a top 20 run rush defense. And then, you know, I haven't talked about the linebackers yet, but other than uh, maybe some depth concerns, I think you get you get two or three injuries there. You might be, be a little bit nervous with the, some of the youth that's going to have to see the field. But other than that, there's not a position on this entire defense where I look and think, okay, we, we're at a deficit here or we're suffering a little bit here or I'd like to be better here. I would say you're B minus to A plus at every position. For sure. There, there's a ton of depth on this defensive side of the ball, and there's a lot of guys who are big-time players coming out of high school. And maybe some of the ones who weren't have proven it so far in college that, oh, no, they're, they're really good players, as tends to be the case with a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball for MSU. You talked about the pass rush. That, that's the key for me when I look at this defense. Was And Daniel was kind of talking about this with defensive line play, where 
last year state struggled to get home. It was like they would, they would, Zach Arnett plays a very aggressive style. They would send a bunch of pressure. You get your safeties put on one-on-one situations with the receiver talent that you have in the SEC. And look, if you get home, fantastic. But state wasn't great at that last year. And I mean, that, that goes into the turnover thing as well. Like a lot of those turnovers are going to come off of plays where you're, you're forcing the quarterback to make a bad decision. And too often there was just a guy streaking wide open down the field when we sent the house, just because you guys weren't getting home quick enough and you don't have a great matchup there with your safeties. Um, getting Jordan Davis back, like you said, I think is a big factor there. Tyrus Wheat returning as your you know starting strong side linebacker. He was your leading sack man. And obviously in this defense, he's pass rushing a lot of the time. Um, I, since we're talking D-line, we do need to throw this out there just because it, it is, you know, right now. It doesn't seem serious, but uh, Jaden Crumity is out right now with a wrist injury. Um, doesn't sound too bad. Uh, the thought process is that he shouldn't be out too long. But, you know, that is one of your key guys, um, certainly, in that defense. So, something to monitor. But doesn't seem nearly as bad of a deal as, like, last year when you had Jordan Davis tearing his ACL, and which I think was a big blow to this pass rush from mm-hmm. SU. He, he, he was one of those guys who was able to consistently pro- apply pressure back in that 2020 season. Um, you mentioned linebackers. You know, Again, you have Ty Weed on the outside, but Nathaniel Watson and Jet Johnson as your leading tacklers, both returning, um, who, both of whom were really impressive for you throughout the season. Uh, a lot of young guys behind him, as you kind of alluded to, which is where your concerns are, but that starting group, between Tyrus Wheat, Nathaniel Watson, and Jet Johnson might be one of the best linebacker groups in the SEC, if we're being honest. And if you look at this defense, it's just kind of top to bottom across the board. There's a lot of really talented pieces. And I think Zach Arnett is a dang good defensive coordinator. Um, I, I like what he has to do. I mean, he, he's a guy who's, whose name is starting to come up as if you're looking for like the next head coach to, you know, uh, like an under the radar young guy to become a head coach and be a really good coach in college football. Zach Arnett's name is among those, um, which obviously we hope that we can hold on to him as long as we can. Uh, I'm very excited about what state can do on the defensive side of the ball. And you combine having a big time defense with an offense that should take another step forward. You're talking about a team that should be really improved. I, I guess it, the, the last little thing you need to touch on when overviewing the team is if they're going to improve, there's, a phase of the game that state has to take a massive step forward in because it was so crucial in your your losses last season, and that would be special teams. Oh gosh, that that was about the death of me. I, you I like, and me both. I liked how though they didn't just say, "Okay, well we got to do better." They made, went and made changes. You, your special teams coach was coaching uh, outside linebackers, Matt Brock. They moved him to take over all the backers. They let Eric Maley's going to do special teams just by himself. That's his only focus in practice when he's not recruiting his special teams. You also had problems with safety last year, and your best defensive coach, Zach Arnett, moved to coach safeties. I mean, they were making choice, intentional choices to try and prove uh, where you're uh, or were a little bit shorthanded or just flat out deficient last year. And then, of course, you address, you, you go and get a punter, you go and get uh, a really good kicker at Massimo Biscardi. Um, and you actually bring in two kickers. People forget about Ben Rabin. But they're in there competing. For lack of a better term, you ran off the kicker that you did have. Uh, God bless Nolan McCord. And I know he – I'm pretty sure he ended up somewhere. He's kicking somewhere. And he'll – I hope he makes the NFL someday. But he wasn't He wasn't the answer for us at this at this time. Uh, and, and to his credit, he was kind of thrown out there to the Wolves 
due to an injury to Brennan Reese, who was great before he was hurt, was was one of our better kickers we've had in recent memory uh, before he got hurt. Um, I think you're going to – I think you can't help but be better, though. There's no doubt that you're going to be at least a little better because it's hard to be worse. You were, you were actually bottom five in every single kicking dimension except for, I believe it was kick return, either kick return or – excuse me, Kick coverage or punt coverage, you were only 105th. You weren't bottom five. So Yeah, no, it was a massive issue across all phases. And um, you mentioned bringing in the kickers with Biscardi and Raven. Uh, obviously, everybody saw the stat line from the scrimmage, and naturally the meltdowns began that they did not have a good day. Uh, but I do think it needs to be pointed out there that um, – at least when it comes to Massimo, Massimo Biscardi, because he's the guy that most people are going to focus on, is he's a proven college kicker who put up good numbers at Coastal Carolina. Uh, apparently, of his misses that he had at the scrimmage, like, and, and this was from uh, Stefan, and I cannot pronounce his last name, uh, Krashnik or something like that. Uh, Clutch him up. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he pointed out on one of those misses, uh, it was a laces issue. And then the other was from 50 yards. So it's kind of like, okay, look, if you miss a 50-yarder, it is what it is. Um, and laces, that's not on the kicker. Uh, yeah, that's on the holder, which that's still a special teams issue. That's still like your holder has to get the, get the snap ball down and get it held right. But um, apparently he's been like 90% about, throughout all of his practices. So if he's hitting at that clip, like as long as you're consistent from 45 and in, like that's all you can ask for. Because last year's state was not. Um, you go ahead. I was gonna say, man, missing twenty-five yarders against Arkansas ended up. That still haunts me to this day. Oh yeah, no, that's that was a really rough performance. And I mean, you had a you had a chip shot that you missed against uh, LSU uh, against Memphis. I think the miss was from a little bit further out, but you had another special teams error in that game that was an officiating error, but. God forbid you let you don't down the brawl properly this next year in any of those moments. Um, and I think, forget I think the, in our first game against Memphis, they might go sit on the ball. It, it's entirely possible. And I mean, look, we mentioned the uh, oh, you can't forget against LSU the, the leaping over the shield penalty by a, a player who is no longer here and is no longer at the program he that, transferred. So, you're gonna get my 30 second rant of that because you brought it up. Jumping over the punt shield is an automatic penalty. It would be like going up to the ref and flipping him off in his face. It is an automatic penalty. It did no consideration. There's no, did he touch him? There's no, was there contact made? There's no, did he hurt him? It's an automatic penalty. And you do that and you give it and they throw a touchdown on the next play. How the lack of brain cells in that moment. And I'm not going to insult. I, I am going to insult the kid. I've actually met him a couple of times. He's not brilliant. I'm going to, I'm going to give that, give him that. He's no longer at Arizona State. I don't know what he's doing. I, I, he's a good kid, that, that I, to my knowledge, but oh, – okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm here yeah. for – I'm here if you need to vent, help me. It is an automatic penalty. It's a rule. It's like don't be offsides. It's a rule. It's not like, it's not like he was too violent. It, you just don't do that. Anyway, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, no. You have to be smarter in those moments. You can't let those mistakes come back to haunt you. And, and if we're going to be fair, and as someone who has, you know, been very much on, on in favor of the offense, 
you also have to point out state started off slow. And that's something we didn't really mention um, talking about the offense. You had a lot of slow starts. You found yourself playing from behind in a lot of games. Now, some of those games you still ended up winning easily, but some of them it came down to the wire and it came down to the wire and it, you went, went against you because of the special teams errors. You would kind of like to not have to leave it up to special teams this year. So if you want to paint the full picture, it, you, we do, it is worth pointing out. Like offense has to be able to go come out clicking right away in a lot of these games. But again, I mean, that goes back to experience in the system. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's kind of it for the, the main overview uh, for, for the team this season. And we can start to move into some of our uh, topics that we have picked out here. All right, so to start things off here, as we go through kind of our quick hitters of some, you know, predictions for the season, uh, who is your offensive MVP not named Will Rogers? I think Rogers is a bit obvious given his role in this offense. Uh, so, Lounge, will go to you first. Uh, who are you looking to as the MVP of this offense? I'm going to go Jaden Wally. I think, yeah, he, compared to his freshman year, you can say he had somewhat of a down year last year by his standards. So I think he's end up having to be the guy this year to, to be like to be the legit playmaker because you got me. So give me Jane Wally as our MVP. Yeah, you know I like that pick a lot. Obviously, Will Rogers he was kind of a go-to guy. Uh, Wally was a good go-to guy for Rogers back in 2020. Kai Polk sort of took over that role last season, but. Look, as someone who's, you know, done a lot of deep dives on this offense, there's a ton of plays that are directly designed to get hit that wide receiver. The slot is a big part of this offense. So, Jaden Wally definitely feels like a natural fit to step in as that next guy uh, or, you know, get back to where he was and be the MVP of this offense. Daniel, who are you going with? So, uh, you know, I was not a whole lot of options to choose from just because there's so many people touching the football. But I'm going to go with Woody Marks on this one, actually. You know, I was actually torn between Dylan Johnson and Woody Marks. Um, and I think I think Woody's going to get more touches on the football this year, and that's why I'm going to give the nod to him. I think Dylan's going to be that guy once we get close to the end zone just to pound it in. Um, but once you get Woody to the outside, um, you know, and when you're within 10 yards of the end zone, I think you can toss it to the outside to him and he can make a move or two to get himself into the end zone. And I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns this year. I really do. And so give me give me Mark's. Yeah, I like that pick, too. Um, the running backs touch the ball a ton in this offense. So many of your checkdowns are going to them. You throw them a lot of screens. Obviously, when you do run the ball, it's them. Uh, and Jaquavius Marks, a lot of pictures coming out. That dude has gotten ripped and is absolutely shredded right now. Um, going to make him even tougher to bring down. And you mentioned Dylan Johnson. Shout out to him. Just became a father. So, c- congratulations to him. His, his son uh, shares my birthday. Right. Happy late birthday, Colton. Um, Colton, who are you going with? Uh, so I was thinking about this one. I, I, th- there's two questions on our list, and this is the, one of the two that I really mulled over. You know, you got two running backs. You don't have one. Um, and it's hard to pick one over the other as an MVP. And it, that could happen. It could happen that one of them breaks out more than the other this year. Uh, and if I had to pick one, it would be Marks. As of right now, love Dylan Johnson, one of my favorite players that we've had in a long time. My brother played against him in high school. And then same thing with the receivers. You know, you had Makai Polk last year consistent, reliable, always open, but wasn't a game breaker, uh, wasn't a yards up to catch guy. Um, was you, you maybe can call him your MVP other than Will Rogers. I think you'd have to give that to Charles Cross who you don't have this year. 
but really with the, in this scheme, it, there's room for lots of receivers to stand out. You had the Michael Trabtree year that time, but there's not a there's not a ton of times in Mike Leach's offense that one receiver just is head and shoulders above everybody else in this offense. So I'm going to fudge a little bit here, and I'm going to cheat on this question. I think your offensive MVP, other than Will Rogers, and maybe MVP is not the right word, but maybe linchpin or important person, I'm going to go with Mason Miller. Finding the right combination of offensive linemen in the right places is going to be the biggest question mark, I think, of this entire season. Um, it, might not, it might not happen the first game. You might have to put mix and match all around. He's going to have to have his finger really close, really tight on the pulse of that entire group, really solid in his film study, really uh, relentless effort in his coaching during the week, during practice, to make sure that that unit's the best that he can be. I think I think we can. I was a little bit shy about Mason Miller in year one, but in year two, uh, I mean, Charles Cross will do that too. It really seemed like it's, it's things are going well there. Mike Leach is no line coach uh, by trade back way back in the day. So he knows what he's talking about when he, you know, brought Co uh, Coach Miller on. And he's doing really good, good in recruiting too, so that doesn't hurt. You're kind of in the same line of thinking to me, and I thought you were going to take my pick. And, again, like, I, I get what you're going for. And I, I think you've been in the rules a little – not you. I, I'm – because I'm doing the same thing. You've been in the rules a little bit on what makes, you know, your most valuable player. But I think this is the most important piece to miss, Mississippi State success. Give me, give me Quatravius Dollar Bill Johnson. Starting for you at left tackle, at least that's the expectation. Technically, you do still have Percy Lewis with a chance, but it kind of feels like Johnson is separated a little bit and has taken that role. We mentioned it earlier. You're losing the number nine overall pick at left tackle, maybe the best left tackle you've had in Mississippi State history. And Will Rogers was able to always know my blind side will be protected. I can drop back and I can stand in the pocket as long as I want and not have to worry about anything coming uh, from the blind side. So that that's obviously a big change. And sure, you know, you you hope that we get the ball out quicker and with more experience in this offense, but you need that left tackle spot to be shored up. And I think if we, we saw it firsthand when pass rush is able to get through quickly, that's when this team, like the offense, gets in trouble. So having a guy at left tackle who steps up in that role, I think is the biggest key for this offense, taking the taking another step forward and continuing the progress we want to see. So give me Dollar Bill at left tackle as the MVP of this offense. Um, next thing we're going to talk about, defensive MVP. And uh, we don't have any constraints here. It'll be anybody you want. So, Lounge, we'll go back to you. Who do you think is the MVP of this defense? Give me Jet Johnson, middle linebacker. That dude was all over the place last year. He he just had, he had a nose for finding the football. And – I think he does – and he communicated with the secondary, the defensive lineman. As a leader, of course, he – of course, now that like, Air Brulee transferred out, I think I think he feels that, like, so-called leadership void in the middle linebacker core. So, just give, give me Jet Johnson. Love that pick. Um, really stepped up. I mean, well, he made his presence known early. I think it was the NC State game. He came in and started making a bit of an impact. A guy that for a while was not buried on the depth chart, but he, I mean, he was a backup. And by the end of the year, he was one of your best players on defense. And, you know, 86 tackles a year ago, six tackles for loss, an interception, a few pass deflections, uh, forced some fumbles, had some fumble recoveries. You, you mentioned it. He had a nose for the football. 
And that's a guy that you just – he is going to go be there. And if he's not making the play, he's nearby every single time. So I think that it, it's a big, big part of this defense. Daniel, who, who do you have as your defensive MVP? Yeah, I'm torn on this one, uh, you know, between a defensive back and a linebacker, but I'm going to go with the, a linebacker of uh, of Tyrus Wheat on this ah, one. Dang it. Um, yeah, taking everyone's picks, you know. I had Wheat as well. <laughs> I've got, I've got, a, I've got a backup. Hey, uh, uh, Manuel Forbes exists too, so we can always go with him. Uh, Absolutely, swap to him if we need to. No, no, you, I have an explanation for both of them if needed. But you, you um, got Wheat with Wheat. I mean. You know, all I had to do was watch the Matt Wyatt uh, breakdown of his of his film, and that was like half an hour long of just why he's such a valuable player, and he's just so strong, and he punishes offensive linemen, and I think that's crucial. Is uh, and we were talking about it earlier. When we were talking about the defense is is punishing that offensive line and getting and coming home so that your safeties don't have to do more than what they're supposed to. Do. Um, you know, we're not we're not working with with the you know, NFL ready safeties. Like we have good safeties, don't get me wrong, but they're not, you know, they're not the first round draft pick kind of safeties. They're not going to do more than, than what we need out of them. And so I think uh, Tyrus Wheat can lead that charge. Then I think we'll be good there. Absolutely. I mean, he, look, he was your best pass rusher a year ago. Um, in this three, three, five scheme, that strong side linebackers asked to do a lot because you got, you only have the three down linemen. So you need kind of that, you know, that strong side guy to be a pass rush presence and, he was the guy for MSU, and like you mentioned, so much of State being able to have success is going to go back to being able to get pressure on the quarterback, and he's your leading guy there. Uh, Colton, who you got? Right. I, I just wanted – I couldn't let this go with, uh, about the Ty Wheat pick. Um, I am going to go in a different direction for uh, – because I was going to go with Ty Wheat because I was thought, I didn't want to go the same direction I went with offense. But so the thing about Ty Wheat, man, two forced fumbles, two recovered, and an interception in 2020 – one of each of those in 2021, God just gets the football. I don't know what he does, but he just finds the ball. I love that. But kind of the same way I went with offense, you know, where do we need the biggest boost on defense? You need a pass rush. You need you need safeties. So I'm, I'm tempted to – I'm flip-flopping. I'm kind of waffling here between one of the new safeties or a pass rusher that I expect to be big. But in the SEC, it all starts up front. So you got to give me Jordan Davis. Not – am I saying he's going to have – a sack and a half per game. No. Am I saying um, he's going to be the biggest stat guy on the game? Is he going to play every single down? No. But his, does his presence change things, the dimensions, really, for this defense? Does his presence mean your cornerbacks and safeties aren't covering receivers for 10 seconds? Does his presence mean the quarterback's got to always know where he's at, got to account for him? Does his presence mean he might have to be double teamed on, off the edge? Or is he? Is there? Is there not a running back in the in the entire country that's going to be able to to chip him hard enough to get him off his quarterback? Those little things are going to make a big difference for state moving uh, moving forward. So that's why I've got Jordan Davis as my defensive MVP. Certainly, I, I, I considered him, um, considering how important the pass rush is going to be for this team. I mean, uh, Daniel mentioned it. We cannot tip talk about a defensive MVP and not take the guy who's probably the best player on the defense. So I'll take Emmanuel Forbes. Um, he's taken over that number one corner role. He's a guy that is a true freshman back in 2020. Five interceptions, three of them returns for touchdowns. I uh, actually have a question that we're going to do a little bit later in the show that relates back to that. So, you know, a little teaser there. Um, uh, you know, he, he three, three more interceptions this past season. But you have to keep in mind he's doing that opposite of Martin Emerson. 
and you had a lockdown guy in Martin Emerson. Did y'all know Martin Emerson the last two years did not have an interception? No, just his freshman year. Yeah, and that's because no one was throwing at him. You know, he got flamed because of that you know stupid clip against Auburn that was just the cameras catching him at the wrong time when he actually had a good game on that day. But Martin Emerson was a lockdown on the outside. He's showing it right now in Brown's camp and in the preseason why he was, you know, a, a you know, round three pick. And I remember that was a pick that a lot of Browns fans were mad about. I think he's going to make them That was a feel grown it. man play that he – Absolutely. Well, yep. well Br- Br- Browns fans aren't smart, so. Very true. Um, First thing they, is that they, the Browns – The organization has some some other issues to worry about right now than uh, who's starting it outside for them. Uh, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, look, you lose Martin Emerson. Emmanuel Forbes becomes your number one guy. And in this defense, your corners are put on an island. And with the receiver talent you have in the SEC, you've got to expect to be able to have a lockdown guy there on the outside. Um, and Emmanuel Forbes is the guy for this defense. So the next big thing we're going to look at, we, we talked about who our MVPs are on both sides of the ball. But who are your breakout players? Who do we think are the guys that are going to emerge that haven't maybe yet uh, stepped into the spotlight and haven't been go-to guys? So uh, we'll start off again with Lounge. Who do you have as your breakout player on the offensive side of the ball? I'm going to go Ra-Ra Thomas. I like it. Like that pick? I mean, he, he saw, you saw the potential with one of the plays he did make last year. So kind of kind of under the – that guy that no one's really talking – no one's really talked about. You would think if people are talking about Jaden or like Austin Williams or such, I think Ra Ra steps up. If Ra yeah, no, if Ra Ra stays ahead. healthy, stays healthy and doesn't transfer, he'll be our, our leading receiver in school history soon. Ooh, bold prediction there. All right. I, mean, I don't think like that. I don't think it's uh it, it's not super bold, bold given the offense, but the, the first receiver to play for four years. And this offense is going to be the leading receiver in school history. The only thing I would say about that, and this is just noticing a trend that may not be a trend, is he does play at that X receiver position that at times kind of gets underutilized just because a lot of the routes tend to work towards the other side of the field or, or the hit the slot receivers. Um, but that said, over the back half of the season, he kind of became a go-to guard target for Will Rogers. Um, you know, he had like five touchdowns, and most of those were, again, the last few games of the year. Um, he's big body guy. If you had said who was a freshman receiver that was going to you know contribute for MSU last season, no one would have guessed Ra Ra Thomas. Um, so that says a lot. I like that pick. Uh, Daniel, who are you going with? So it's another receiver, a different receiver here, uh, Antonio Harmon. Uh, okay. Another big body right there. I mean, you know, he got that red shirt last year, and I think he needed it uh, just to. But there's there's so much hype around him coming into to Starkville, and you know now now some spots have opened up, right? And you know from his class, I mean he's the only four star receiver remaining because um can't remember his name, Teddy Knox. Teddy Knox. So I mean now it's just it's the Antonio Harmon show for the between between those two. I thought you know oh we'd be unstoppable, and right obviously Teddy uh, didn't get that spot that he wanted in there, um, but Harmon. I mean, he he's got a local advice. guy. I'm pretty okay. sure he's from uh, Kosciuszko, so not that far from here. And and just a big body, go up, be physical with it. And, 
and beat out the other rece- the the defensive backs, and I think he's gonna break out big time. Yeah, I think having yeah. him on one side and uh, uh, Rara on the other is just it's unfair. For sure, you know it's a guy that a lot of schools were recruiting as a tight end out of high school, which was why a lot of people raised their eyebrows. State really started pursuing him hard. But, you know, we saw the potential as a receiver, and if you can get a big body guy like that, it's huge. I mean. It, it almost makes me wish, and it's kind of funny because how much people talk about uh, Tulu needing to play in the slot because he's a small player. There's almost part of me that wants, like, Harmon at the Y just because you get him on linebackers and safeties where, like, they have no chance. But he definitely fits the mold of an outside receiver. And someone's got to step up at that Z position when you're losing Makai Polk, and Harmon's definitely a candidate. Colton? I got to – again, it's a lot of routes you can go here. Um when, and when I say breakout here, maybe it's a little bit strong of a word, but just maybe just putting the fan base on notice. Um, I'm going to take Simeon Price. You know, last year uh, you did have a couple games where Johnson and um, Marks, either one, might, you know, take a break for a few plays, not just for rest purposes, but when you're catching passes in the flat, you're in position to get rocked as a running back by a linebacker. And even – I mean, even if it's just getting wind knocked out of you, you might have to come out for a few times. Simeon Price is that typical wide receiver-esque running back that does so well in the air raid. Uh, he's a guy that is really fluid, moves really well, make guys miss, uh, really good in open space. He's a guy that I think – Come next year, Mississippi State fans are going to be really, really excited about because of what they saw this year. And and maybe it's maybe Washington State fans and Texas Tech fans have loved their running backs in years past. Uh, I know the year the Gardner Minshew year they actually did have a really good running back up at Washington State, and maybe they've had a few more. But we don't think of this as an offense that produces running backs. But between Katravian Hargrove, uh, Simeon Price, and a running back we've got committed right now, Seth Davis. Um, I really, really like where that group is is at, and wh- I like where it's going to be if the chalk holds for the next four or five years. Simeon was a guy that I thought of. He started to get his you know name mentioned a lot in camp, and obviously we know Johnson and Marks are your two guys, but you hate you don't want to wish this, but it was just the reality. Those two guys got banged up last year, and both of them were kind of you know having to miss some time, and. Um, you ended up kind of going to a walk-on for quite a bit of the season with a Jernigan. And, look, no offense to him, he earned a scholarship. I mean, he played well for MSU. But you've got some talented pieces that you've recruited, and Price is a guy that you kind of feel like, I mean, hopefully you hope your backs just stay healthy and you can rock uh, Jonathan and Marks out there. But you're going to rotate guys regardless. And Simeon Price does seem like someone who can step up. I'm going to kind of fight against Daniel here for a second because we have to take a breakout guy. And I'm ha- the guy who I'm – buying in on is at the same position which in this offense those guys are going to rotate in and out but I'm going to take the guy who I think starts give me Caleb Ducking Caleb Ducking has had all the physical tools in the world has had been someone that's been on the roster for you know a few years now and you know third year Juco transfer and normally you would think at that point these guys are not going to contribute but you have to consider you know the offense he played in high school and in junior college never really got developed as a receiver, never really was utilized. And then he steps into college and it's like, oh, Mike Leach is hired. Now you're going to get the football. So um, 
he, it's taken him some time. It's taken him some time to develop, but he's got, he's got size. He's got speed, catching ability, leaping ability. Everything I have heard is that he is just consistently tearing it up in practice. And again, at that Z receiver position, those guys tend to get a lot of targets. And I, I do think you're going to rotate plenty. I think Harmon will hit the field a lot. It actually sounds like you're seeing uh, Northwestern transfer Jordan Mosley uh, is another guy who could, at that position who, who is playing pretty well. But I think Ducking's the guy, and uh, I, he's kind of my big breakout player on this off, on this team uh, on the offensive side of the ball for this season. So, next thing we're going to look at, other side of the ball, who do we have breaking out on defense? Lounge, we'll go to you. I'm saying, I think Nathan Victor sets up this year just a just a hunch, and I think it's about time. It's about time, in my opinion, for him to actually live up to the expectations, like we said earlier. So, uh, give me Nathan Victor. Oh yeah, no, look. It- Big-time player or big-time recruit, rather, for MSU that you've been hoping to see break out. Haven't, haven't always been there. Obviously, you know, he opted out of the 2020 season uh, kind of halfway through the year with COVID. And one of the few guys who chose to opt out and then return, which, you know, you didn't see at a lot of schools. And he uh, it says, he's – go ahead. Nathan's been in my house a few times. Uh, he was sick. Oh, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He I, got – I, I think it was COVID and something else. I don't recall exactly, but he – if it was just COVID, he got bad from COVID. That's why he opted out. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he's going to leave. Like, nah, he, he got sick. It actually had some relatives get sick, too, that was, you know, tough on him, like older relatives. And that's also why last fall he, he missed the spring. And last fall he was really out of shape. But, like, he was recovering. Yeah, for sure. I, I had forgotten some of the details there. Like, he, he got impacted pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's still, I think it's a good sign, though, that he still wanted to return. He still wanted to be here. And last year, I mean, he – the game-winning play against Texas A&M, that safety was Nathan Pickering. He's a guy who's got all the talent in the world. You hope he can put it together. Um, and certainly State needs those guys and the presence along the interior defensive line. Uh, so I like that pick a lot. Daniel, who are you looking at? I hope we can call this a breakout, but I'm going to go with Jalen Green on this one. Um, I'm really high up on him this year. I mean, I, I think getting a whole year in our in our you know defensive scheme and, and getting out of the, the complete – mess that is the University of Texas football uh, is going to be really good for him. And and I think, you know, if we get that kind of pressure that I'm hoping for from Tyrus Wheat, Jordan Davis, I think he's going to have a few uh, pressure interceptions, right? Like just rush passes that are going to be in his vicinity and he'll be able to get to it. Um, I, I think you get three, what he had two last year, I think. I think you get three or four this year. Yeah, big time player. Um Big transfer that you got out of Texas, made an impact last year, was by far, I think, the best of the safety group you had, and uh, certainly expecting big things out of him. Colton, who do you see as your breakout player on defense? Yeah, so I almost went with this guy for MVP, not because, you know, he's going to be our best defensive player, but because maybe our most needed defensive player when you're thinking about what we're, what we're missing from last year. Uh, so he's going right there with me as one of our most important pieces, but I, I need Jackie Matthews to really step up. It seemed like he might be the starter at camp. And if he's not, he's not. Uh, and, that, and I'll eat that prediction. But for what I've heard, he is very obviously very experienced. We've already talked about him a little bit. Uh, he's been around the block. That's a guy who, whether it's dog safety or free safety, he's a guy that 
going to add a new element to this defense that you might not have had last year. If you Again, on this defense, you were still a 30th-ranked defense last year uh, in terms of total yards. You just get a, you get a little bit better up front with Jordan Davis, a little bit better on the back with Jackie Matthews, Marcus Banks, um, some of these other guys, Hunter Washington, DeCarlos Nicholson. I know that you're losing Martin Emerson, but you, if you can just get a little bit better on the back end and a touch better on the front end, you're looking at a really good defense. And I think that a big part of that is going to be Jackie Matthews. Yeah, I think Matthews is kind of the guy I targeted. Um, he's taking over that Bulldog safety role. So he, he's someone at West Virginia could play both corner and play safety. So Matthews kind of moving. It, it's safety here, but it's essentially a nickel corner type role. And it sounds like he's performing really well. He's going to be a big part of things. If I'm going to take a breakout guy, and maybe it's a little bit of a flyer, Give me Trevion Williams on the defensive line. Mm. Four-star recruit, big-time player, um, absolute physical freak. And, look, Mississippi State has developed a lot of big-time defensive linemen. He's someone who could be a breakout that could be hard to keep off the field early on. So, I'm going to lean that way. And, again, as, as we're trying to get better better, I know there's a lot of those defensive linemen tend to, uh, you know, run stoppers. But, I mean, again, you're trying to build up pass rush as well. So, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a guy who becomes a big-time impact player for us down the line. So the next thing that we want to look at here is going to be a little bit different. And we, we had talked about doing some hot takes, but th this is something that's kind of sort of hot take, sort of not. And I stole this directly from a podcast called Split Zone Duo, which is a college football pod. They put out some pretty good content. Um they do have one of the hosts that I know a lot of Mississippi State fans are not a fan of. I won't get into all that, but I think it's a good show. Uh, but they do a thing when they do their previews where just to be stupid and be different, rather than saying, you know, hot or cold, yes or no, agree, disagree, they like for whatever conference they pick, they go with like a popular food chain as like that's hot or like that's agree, that's good, and then something awful for bad. And for a Mississippi State perspective on this, I think for good, I mean, what is Mississippi State going to be most known for? The dude. Dude Noble Field is, you know, the best stadium in college baseball. It's better than a lot of major league baseball stadiums. So that's going to be our, our good side of this. And then the bad side, I, I know it was touched up. It's not, it's not as bad as it once was, but it will still always be awful for those who remember. Blackjack Road, just the scum of existence. Not in Starkville. Because apparently, if you, if you say it's in Starkville, no, there's literally a road sign on part of it that says it's Starkville. Not going down that route right now. Uh, one of the worst places to, to drive through um, in town, the bane of a lot of students' existence. So what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to make a proclamation and just put it out there. And then each of us are going to go through and we're either going to say Duty Noble or Blackjack Road as to whether or not we agree or disagree. So starting up. Will Rogers needs 2,662 passing yards to break Dak Prescott's career passing yardage record. He will do it by halftime against Kentucky. Now, a little context here. I didn't want – I tried to look like a specific number of games, but if I said seven games, it was going to be like a total that's very – like I think reasonably we can all agree. If I said six games, it was going to be like he was going to have to pass for a ridiculous number of yards. So by doing seven games, that means he's averaging 410 passing yards a game going into the Kentucky game, and he would have to have like 200 yards in that first half. So uh, it last year, for context, he needed eight games to pass for that many yards. 
So by halftime at Kentucky, Will Rogers will break Dak Prescott's career passing yardage mark. Is that the dude or Blackjack Road? I'm going to say the dude. Buying, in, buying into the passing yardage. I, I like it. What do we got, Daniel? I'm going to say the dude. I'm going to go with it. Uh, I think play enough. Like, we're going to have a strong enough offense and play enough defenses that aren't that elite level early on. I think we can get it to dude. I'm trying to – as I do this – I have I'm the schedule trying, in front of me if you want it. I, I got the schedule. I'm trying to look at last year's uh, passing defensive teams to see kind of where we're at on that list. So, Kentucky, actually not a really good pass defense team. Scheme-wise, I think they match up pretty poorly with us uh, for them. Let's see. In those first seven games, a and one of them. They were pretty high last year, although we've made them look bad. Well through for 400 against A&M. Right. You know, I'm actually not going to look because now I think about it, there's a lot of teams that – the way the air raid works, some teams that you wouldn't think are good at stopping it are, and, some, and it, it just doesn't really – it's kind of like triple option. It's more about being disciplined and knowing your assignments. So I'm, I'm not even going to look at that. The only thing – oh, so what are you taking? What are you taking? I'm trying to think. I'm just going to be different. I'm going to oh. say – I'm going to say Blackjack Road. Maybe he gets it by the Kentucky game. Um, I, I think through the Kentucky game he will have it regardless. The halftime is kind of the little twist there that I tried to make it to make you think a little bit more on it. I, the the only holdup I have is, like, will he have to play the whole Memphis game? Will he have to play the whole Bowling Green game? I actually think he'll probably end up playing all of Arizona because I kind of see that game being a little tricky. Um, I I think I will – I'm actually going to be lean here. I will go blackjack road on this. I, I do think Will is going to get up around 400 yards passing a game. But I did look a lot of Leach's quarterbacks. And I, I tend to lean with his Washington State numbers a little bit more because I think that's a little bit better representation of who Leach is now because he has changed something since the Tech days. Uh he had a couple quarterbacks get, you know, 400-plus a game, but it was kind of rare. So, I will go Blackjack Road. Second proclamation, MSU will have two wide receivers over 800 receiving yards. And for context, this happened three times while he was at Washington State, seven times while he was at Texas Tech. It has not happened at MSU. That is – that is definitely the dude. Okay. I'm sure one of your guys is uh, Jaden Wallet. Who do you think is your other guy getting over 800 receiving yards? Rah, rah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. All right, Daniel, what do you got? I'm actually I'm going to say Blackjack. I think uh, Wally gets near 1,000, but I think Rara will get close. Harmon will get close. Shoot, even Rufus Harvey might get close, but not quite there. I'm going to go Blackjack. That's – this is another tough one. Another tough one. Well, first off, y'all, y'all, at, first off, y'all slandering the road I live on now. So, <laughs> my apartment complex is off of blackjack, for what it's worth. So, well, they're still they're still building mine as I live in it. They lowered they for those of y'all that don't live in Starkville and don't know they had to lower the road by about twelve feet to fix it. That's how messed up it was. They had to just completely get to a new layer of earth like it was otherworldly now there are some roads where i live in jackson now that would make blackjack road look like the autobahn okay 
but that's neither here nor there. For this, I I think I got to go Blackjack Road too. I can't I can't. I think they're going to spread the love around too much to 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 be feel confident they're going to have two with eight hundred. I, I I think I think here's what it, what you're going to have is you're going to have four or five around five or six hundred. I think that might be where you're at. I don't think any one guy is, is so much better talented than the others, but they're all so talented that you're going to have to get them on the field. Yeah, I Lound is the, Lound is the optimist here, and I like it. Although, I mean, I'm still high on the team. But Listen, uh, if I could ride with last year's baseball team to the end of the year, I could do this. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going blackjack here. Just I, I look at the – the receiving talent they has and the number of guys who I think are going to kind of just be rotating in and out. Um, like, I think, look, Jaden Wally, I expect him to be the guy. Technically, Jaden Wally is competing right now with Jameer Calvin for, for the starting role at that wide receiver. Um, kind of a little interesting thing there. I think Jaden wins that battle. I think he's a better player than Calvin, but Calvin's good. Um, so I think you're going to be rotating receivers a lot. I think it's going to be hard for any one guy uh, to take over here. So, the, the next one that we'll do, and then this is the last one we have talking about the offense. For, for everyone who wants to see the run game, MSU will have at least 15 rushing touchdowns on the year combined from everyone. So, and, and it's funny, you think about Nick Fitzgerald, like, getting 15 touchdowns on his own, like, multiple times. Um, so, last year, State – had, had that many had, – had that many. Yes, uh, he did. Junior year. Yes, he did. Um we had 10 combined last year uh, between Marks and Johnson. This happened twice while he was at Washington State. Happened a lot at Texas Tech. Eight times in his 10 years at Texas Tech, they went over 15 rushing yards. They they had some really good running backs while he was in Lubbock, and they actually put up some nice rushing numbers. Like, his, his offenses at Tech were ridiculous. Like, they were passing for 400, like 450 a game, but also rushing for, like, 100 a game. Like, it, it was really, really, really solid. So – Lounge, we'll start with you here. Do you think we see 15 rushing touchdowns total? Blackjack. <laughs> Going to go under on that one? Yeah. All right. Uh, Daniel, what do you got? Uh, dude, but at the bowl game. Okay. That, yeah, that, that factors in. That counts to the stats. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the dude here, and I've got to take a, a comment later that might contradict this, but I'll explain it. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I think that they will get more rushing touchdowns this year, and 15's high, but I, I think I, I still think they'll hit it, and if not, they'll be close. They'll be around 13, 14. Now, now the, I say blackjack when I said earlier I wanted to see more of the running game in the red zone. So <laughs> for sure, I kind of contradicted myself here. <laughs> yeah, I, I went with this one just because you know, I think you're going to see a ton of people talking about MSU have you know combined for a thousand rushing yards between Marks and Johnson, which hey I get it like that's the topic, but I thought the rushing touchdowns an interesting one. Um, I'm actually going to go dude here. I I think. When State does run the ball this season, I think they'll be more successful at it. I think they will convert more in the red zone. I think Will Rogers will do a better job of checking at the right time and getting into the right spot. And I trust Johnson and Marks, but I'll throw it out there. I think Will Rogers will 
I think Will Rogers will have a rushing touchdown at some point this season. He had one in 2020, didn't last year. Um, but Leach's quarterbacks, you know, he, some of those guys have actually had like Gardner Minshew had like six rushing touchdowns or something in 2018. Like his guys, like he'll let them scramble around when they get down to the red zone. So I, I will say that State goes over on this. We all had a really nice rushing touchdown in, against uh, Tulsa. Yes, that was his one, but he, he still had one. So I think we'll get over. All right, so we've talked a lot about the offense. How about a defensive question? Emmanuel Forbes tied the school record for career interception returns for touchdowns with three as a freshman. Three pick sixes back in 2020 as a part of a five-interception season. I got I got a trivia question for y'all. Whose record did he break? I know Andrew knows. Was it Jonathan Banks? That's correct. Jonathan he didn't Banks. break the record. He tied it. Or tied it, tied it, tied it. Tied it, it. it it's tied with like four players. Banks right. is not the only one. There's a few well, other guys on. What I was going to say is Banks had two of them in one game. Yep, he against did. Tebow. Yep. Crazy. All I was right, at that so, game and I was, well, to say I was feeling great. All right. So, so Forbes, in one year, tied the school record for pick sixes, uh, career record. But he did not have a pick six last season, had three interceptions. Did not run one back for a touchdown. Is he going to break the record this year? Will Emmanuel Forbes record a single pick six in 2022? Lounge, you're up. Oh. I'm going to go – I'm going to go blackjack on that one. Mm. That's a tough one. All right. I, I mean – I think this can definitely go either way. Daniel, where are you leaning? Uh, yeah, I'm going loud, blackjack. I just don't think the ball is going to go his way enough. I don't. That's that's the thing. Are they going to throw at him at all? Look, I'm going to go against the grain. I think he can do it. I think he can do it. I'm going to go the dude because I think the def- – again, we talked about being better up front. I think you're going to force some bad throws. And the pick sixes are the ones – are the dead ducks. Uh, it's where you completely miss a guy because you got to defend in your face and you don't see the guy on the backside of the play. That's when those come from. Especially if we have a little bit of zone coverage, I could see it. I My gut was no for all the reasons you guys have mentioned. It's tough to do. Teams aren't – I mean, it's Martin Emerson has not had a pick the last two seasons because teams are not going to throw his way. Do you know what? Dang it. I need to be bold. I, he's going to get one. Give me the dude. Emmanuel Forbes will get a pick six this season, and he will break the school record before he enters early for the NFL draft because, I mean, that guy definitely I, – I can see that. Emmanuel Forbes will break the school record for interception return for touchdowns. And our last one, and this is kind of a team-wide thing, and this is a, a kind of a good transition. We are going to let Lounge rattle off a few hot takes here, but um, we're, we're about to start talking about you know predictions for game by game. MSU will enter the Egg Bowl with a realistic shot at a New Year's Six birth. Is that the dude or is that Blackjack Rick? Lounge? That is the motherfucking dude. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. I I figured Lounge was going to lead towards the dude. But uh, I can see it for sure. Daniel, what you got? Uh, Yeah, uh... That, that, 
Never say what, it. What's your definition of realistic, Andrew? That's the that's the kind of how do you define realistic? It it is up for interpretation. I'm gonna because say it that depends on the the rest of the nation for sure. I think you'd have to be eight and three going to the Egg Bowl for that, and and I don't want to, but I'm gonna say blackjack on it. I, I hope I'm wrong. Like I really do, but we believe we believe Daniel. Uh, who am I kidding? I was at that twelve Egg Bowl. We believe. That twelve Bama game we, we did we believe didn't go so well. So I'm I'm saying that the twenty one egg bowl uh when we were in the red zone and and you know I was braving the 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 cold without a shirt on and and taking on the brunt the brunt. These guys, the these guys have seen some things, haven't they, Daniel? <laughs> I uh after the missed field goal there at the end of that half, I collapsed on the floor <laughs> at my house. It, it was rough in the camera well, so I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I uh on this one, man. Look, I might I I I do think we can be seven and four, eight and three, getting there. And an eight and four team has gone to the to some of these bowls before when you have a tie-in. Here's the thing: it's Fiesta Bowl, Peach Bowl for the playoff this year. SEC is a tie-in to three of the other bowl games: Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl. And Sugar Bowl, and I don't know if Cotton they have they have a tie into two, so Does officially rotate. Well, so the orange is not an, it's a tie in, but it's not. So the Orange Bowl, when it's not a playoff bowl, they take the highest ranked ACC team, and then the highest ranked team that is either from the SEC, the Big Ten, or Notre Dame. So it's not one. It's like from that group, who is the highest? That's how State ended up in the Orange Bowl in 2014. Mm-hmm. Is we were the highest ranked left over there. Uh, from that little trio, so we ended up in the Orange Bowl. Cotton Bowl. Who's Notre Dame was in that? I don't know who Big Ten was. But so, so you 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 got two tie, you got two chances there. Tie in Peach Bowl's all uh, is playoff. I'm not saying we're gonna make the playoff, but um, on the flip side of that, you know, you can't make the Rose Bowl this year. Uh, there's some so there's a lot to think about. Is is what's Georgia gonna do? You get two. Here's here's what I'm gonna say. This prediction is hinging on getting two teams in the playoff again. If that happens, I think you can be in there eight and four, and and then you know. So basically, when I say the dude here, that's all. That's me talking about the SEC as much as I am our team. So what that means is, is it might not even be us as eight and four team, but I'm saying an eight and four or nine and three SEC team is gonna have to make a New Year's Six bowl because of tie-ins. So I, I do have one quick question then about tie-ins. So just correct me if I'm wrong. If we won the Egg Bowl last year, would we have been in the Sugar Bowl overall miss? I have thought about that. I'm in 15, I almost think in, no. In 15, I don't, in 15, we would have. Kentucky. Kentucky 15, yes. Th- that – I forgot about that. Kentucky would have gotten ranked ahead of Ole Miss. Kentucky would have been. I, okay. I, I worked out, like, the terrible scenario we in my the head. Bowl. We probably we, – we would have bumped Ole Miss from – we would have bumped Ole Miss down the Outback Bowl again, even though they went back-to-back. Maybe the probably I should put Ole Miss in the Tax Slayer Bowl or the Gator Bowl, whatever they're calling it now. I think Ole Miss still would have gotten citrus. I, I think, think their overall record would have put them there. Um, I I have forgotten about Kentucky because I had worked out a doomsday not a doomsday scenario, but like sure would that suck that we beat Ole Miss, but Ole Miss still gets in the Sugar Bowl because of their ranking. But I, Kentucky would have jumped them, like you mentioned. Okay. I in 2015 we would have made the Sugar Bowl if. 15, 15, yes, we would have been in the Sugar Bowl uh, for sure. Um, 17, if that team had gone and beaten Alabama and won, they they could have gone to like the Cotton Bowl uh, in 2017. But 
You know, I'm going to blackjack on this. I don't want to. I I think State would have an outside shot, but I feel like that kind of hinges on, again, you have to be going in with no more than three losses. And even then, it's like everything has to be working in your favor on the outside. So most likely, I'm going to go with no. So before we start getting into actual season predictions, and that one kind of led into it, Lounge, we're just going to let you – if you got some hot takes you want to fire off, we know that's what the people are here for. That's what the people want to hear. Uh, we're going to turn it over to you, and you, you get those hot takes going. Here's a hot take for you. I think we can beat – I think we beat Georgia. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost there with you. I think I think it's a bad – it's a little bit of a bad matchup. Style, stylistic wise, Georgia likes to run the football. They've got some explosive receivers, but they've got some question marks there this year too. And Stetson Bennett isn't exactly, you know, got a cannon or anything. I think, you know, with our rushing defense and the fact that they're going to try to just play their brand and think that their brand of defense is good enough to beat anybody, they're not going to – I don't think – Kirby Smart's a great defensive coach, and maybe he'll take it seriously, but I kind of think they're going to want to stick to what works for them, and it might come back to bite them. That's that's the pot. That's the game MSU fans have circled. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about upset potential here here in a second. I, nationally, I keep seeing Texas A and M, but like I understand nationally for sure. But I, from the Mississippi State fan perspective, I don't think any of us look at Texas A and M like winning that game is an upset. Like it's not not at this point anymore. To. I mean, it's 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 cool I'm beating really a team with a red tie for sure. But like State beats A and M. I think. All right, so got a go better. Ahead. We got a better. It's at home. Should have a better quarterback, and I think we have a better coach, X's and O's wise, than Jimbo. I think Jimbo no, it's easy. The game's passed Jimbo by a little bit. Some yeah, of what yeah. Jimbo likes to do on offense just makes life way too hard for these quarterbacks. Right. Uh, that's kind of like their big problem. Um, we're similar in that we do not. They'll be breaking in a semi-new one this year. Will it be Haynes King or Max Johnson? Yeah, no, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so Lounge Lounge has got that upset going against Georgia. You got anything else for us? I I said we got said we got ten and two. Whew. Ooh, that, that's spicy. We're, we're about to do the schedule breakdown. So. Listen, you ain't worth a dang if you don't have a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence. True. I know. I I respect it. I. Re- you're a more bold man than me. When I was trying to do my predictions, like to get them set up last night, like I, I kept running into stuff. I was like, do I, man, do I want to say that? Do I want to put that out there to set myself Listen, up? But I just put it out on Twitter. So I'll rest in peace my mentions later. Hope Georgia Twitter doesn't find it. That book, that thing's been bookmarked by a bunch of people. I promise you. Oh, well, is that- I've, bo- I've bookmarked every tweet I've seen that's got us seventh in the West, though. Every single one. Oh, you know, I have. Oh, yeah, no, that, that, that's not like happening. Auburn, Auburn folks saying they're going to beat us. Auburn? Yeah, no. I, well, I will say Auburn is like my, – my problem with Auburn is like now is exactly when they go out and have a good season and make us feel bad for all saying that they were going to suck. So, that's – I think State will win that game. That's the one thing that gets me. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're predicting 10-2, and went over Georgia. I think that's, that's pretty dang bold. Like, the, those are hot takes for sure. So, mm-hmm. Uh, since we're kind of on that topic, um, because you mentioned a big upset, I mean, what games do we have on the schedule that we look at and say, like, because like the Mike Leach thing is Mike Leach is going to win a game he's supposed to, not supposed to, 
probably going to lose a game he's not supposed to. That that tends to happen. I, I do want to say though, I I at least want to be one who can recognize he gets the upset win because there's a few people who only want to focus on well he he loses. You always got Mike Leach is always going to lose one he's not supposed to. Like okay yeah, but he also gets the upset in return. So what game do we have? And we we know Lounge's answer, so we can go right on to Daniel. What game are we looking at on the schedule? Like that is MSU's chance to really make a big statement. I'm actually going to do the same thing. I mean, I think we beat Georgia. I really do. Um, I mean, it, it, man, it, I don't know about Alabama and AM. I mean, AM, I think we will, but at the same time, I don't know. I think we could drop that one just as easily as we could drop Georgia. Um, I'm going to go Georgia on him. I'm with Lounge on that. And, and that, that's my pick. Oh, hold on. I just want to say, I can't say Alabama because they they literally they're literally a joyless murder ball. It's just nothing but a machine over here. Just no, they just <laughs> they they steal your joy of the game. Yeah. I, I go into the Alabama game every year just saying like, all right, like, I just we're, gonna, both teams we're have going to look bad. It just it is what it is. Like I, I don't get worked up over the Alabama game anymore. I. We we're trying to go quick here, but I like I always love a story. So 2017, the game against Bama. Um, that's my sophomore year at State. Calvin I, I was, was out of bounds. Calvin Ridley was absolutely out of bounds. Out of bounds. But so uh, you know, I I, people know I was cry. I was in the band at State. I was a tuba player, and uh, amongst the tuba section, like obviously, like I was known as the guy who truly cared about football and sports. And to be fair, there are a lot of band kids who actually know what they're talking about when it comes to sports, but there are a lot of band kids who are the stereotype of like, they just, they're just there to have a good time. They really don't know. So any and everything that would happen on the field constantly, they would you know, ask me what, what just happened? What was that? What, why, why was that? Why was that? That was, that was my role in, in the, in the two section. And, too. Uh, during that game, because state was in it all the way throughout, people kept asking me, are, are we going to do it? Like, is this about to happen? And I kept saying, like, I am not going to say we will beat Alabama until the clock hits zero and we have beaten out. Like, I am not going to say it. Because I, I was setting myself up to not be disappointed. I was still very much disappointed with the way that game ended. That that was – Third and Grantham. Oh, let's all up blitz on third and 15. Man. It's it not so it's not the blitzing on third and fifteen. It's coming out of the exact same look you had after Nick Saban called a timeout to address that play. He called like, now because he didn't like the formation, so you could drop a play perfect for it, and you come out in the same formation. I don't want And that. then you you have single coverage on Devontae Smith. Yeah. Well, that was Devontae Smith before Devontae Smith became Devontae Smith. But he – No, I think like, that, that moment kind of started Devontae Smith. Oh, yeah, no, he, he caught the win, winning touchdown in the national championship later that year. And the, the only positive I had from that night was, like, randomly during the game, because obviously, you know, we have the student section behind us, and someone, like, taps on my the back of my tuba and says, play that thing. And I turn around, Josh Robinson was in the student section right behind me, asked me if he could play my tuba, which – I couldn't do that. I couldn't let that happen, but I definitely got a pick with uh, the bowling ball. That was a pretty cool moment from that game. How dare uh, So, Colton, you got uh, another upset. I, I, wanted, I wanted to add, I, I've kind of, I got asleep at the wheel during the hot takes. My hot take that I wanted to throw in there real quick is that although we do a better job at it, as far as numbers of carries go this year, everybody's begging for them to go up. 
number of, of rushing attempts doesn't go up significantly this year. That's going to be my hot take. Uh, because I think I think you'll be a little bit better at running. I think you'll uh, you'll have a lot, still have a lot of those plays that are technically run plays. They're not act, they're technically pass plays actually, but they work like run plays. You'll have the shovels and the, the bubble screen stuff like that. I think everybody's like we're going to run the ball this year. We're going to run the ball. I, I I don't see it. We're not gonna we're not gonna start running the ball unless the game dictates it. But here's going to go with the hot take. We will have a game where we run the ball almost forty maybe fifty percent of the time. Last year was Kentucky. You ran the ball 39 times. We'll have a game like that this year. But that's all I'm going to say. Uh, as far as upset, speaking of Kentucky, that's what I'm going to go with. Right now, And if the schedule goes chalk, we will not be favored to win that game. If we've lost – even if we've lost Alabama, I expect Kentucky to at best be a two-loss team by that point. Even though I'm not very high on Kentucky, uh, their schedule just kind of works out. They'll have ten- – I think they have Tennessee before us and may- they have to go to two Ole Miss. I kind of expect them to go two Ole Miss and win. Double check me on that though. I'm pretty sure they get Georgia after us. Um, uh, yes, they play Georgia right after. Georgia's stretch, and this is why Georgia is a popular pick beyond the fact, like, obviously, state fans remember what happened a couple of years ago in Athens, and it's kind of like we could turn that around. Georgia is playing the cocktail party against Florida. They're hosting Tennessee, coming to Starkville, and then they're going to Lexington. So, kind of the three biggest East games that they're going to have on their schedule, like, we're right in the middle of that. So that, that's where the potential for that happens. Um, so, yeah, Kentucky will play Georgia right after us. So uh, the reason I think that's a likely upset is stylistically, okay, Kentucky does not is a bad matchup. They are, they, they are built on running football, which you can be very good at uh, stopping. Andrew. So I think – you know, with, with our defense, you're going to be able to stop Kentucky. They're, they're going to run around that play action. They've got a pretty decent quarterback in Will Levis. I don't think he deserves all the hype he's gotten. But who who, the, who do they have at receiver? They lost two of the best receivers last year. It's going to be tough. Um, defensively with Kentucky, they kind of have this bend but don't break defense. This defense is made to stop the run. They'll give you the little things to try to prevent the big plays. Mike Leach will nickel and dime you to death. Death by a thousand cuts. He'll throw those four, five, six, seven, eight, nine yard uh, routes all over the field, and then you'll just lose. And that's kind of what we did to them last year. There again, in both cases last year, we proved that we were a bad matchup for them. We went up there in 2020, obviously not prepared. The system was not installed fully. Uh, it was a disaster. We all remember that. KJ Costello was throwing balls he shouldn't have been throwing. It's okay. I st- I think Mike Leach is the style of quarterback that as long as uh as long as you've got uh, Stoops up there in, in, in Kentucky doing what he does, and he is a defensive coach, still recruiting to his uh, where his acumen is uh, works, where his recruiting footprint lends itself to, which is you know power running, running backs, offensive linemen, tight end, that kind of thing. Um, I think that we'll have a lot of success against Kentucky in the future years for because of that reason. Yeah, no, uh, you're, you're right. Kentucky more likely to be favored in that matchup. It's a game where if you're putting it down as a – but if you're, it's a game if you're putting it down as a loss, it's basically that State has not won in Lexington since 2014, and you, you're just respecting, hey, Mark Stoops is a good program. And it's their comparable team. It's tough to win on the road against a good team. Um, and it's but been you're absolutely horrors. It's been an absolute house of horrors for us up there at Kroger Field. Been for sure. But you're absolutely right that matchup-wise, it favors MSU. But – you know, that game, I think that's – is that coming off of Alabama? Um, I believe it is. 
Um, so it's, 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 it's tough. I was, you know, in the same vein with Georgia and we we've talked about why, where you get them in the schedule, some of the matchup parts that you think you've got a chance, but just to put another one out there. And I've kind of been outspoken about this game worrying me a bit. So I would view it as an upset because right now I have it as a loss, even though this is a team that I'm not particularly high on overall, but it would still, it, it's one of those weird things where like, it's going to be an upset because they're going to be favored, but LSU early in the season, uh, Brian Kelly's first, uh, first year there. State's going to be traveling to Baton Rouge week three, 5 p.m. kickoff. Obviously, Mike Leach, his first game of his tenure here in Starkville, burst onto the scene with a big upset down in Death Valley that sort of was the beginning of the end for Ed Orgeron there. You'd certainly think that uh, Brian Kelly will probably run a little bit better ship, but even though there are some factors in that game that worry me matchup-wise and just it's playing in Death Valley, that's an LSU team that's got a lot of new pieces. That's an LSU team that's going to be working out a lot of stuff early on in the season. They're not going to be super settled at quarterback, especially with Brian Kelly. Like he's going to rotate quarterbacks constantly. That's just what he does. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball consistently against us. And um, if we have shored up what we have in the secondary, it can get a better pass rush. I think state's got a chance to go in there and make something happen. Um, and that would be a you know type of game that you start getting some attention and you can build off of. Again, I, I, right now I view it as a loss. It's tough for me, but if I think we got a chance to pull an upset early in the season, it would be that LSU game. So the next thing is the other side of the coin because sometimes you're going to, like, with, with Mike Leach, you are going to lose one that you just kind of like, dang, that didn't see that before the season. Um, so, you know, Lounge, we'll start with you. What do you think, like, a game right now that you think should be a win, but it, there's a chance that things kind of go to go to crap for us? Well, Knowing that we have to go be a part of Pac-12 after dark, crazy stuff happens. Yep that that Arizona game terrifies me. I my my early hot take on the season, and I I, I won't commit to it because I I am not the man that lounges who was able to be just put it out there. But like I was like, we're gonna lose to Arizona, but we're gonna beat Georgia. Like, that's going to be what this team does. And it, it's a trap game spot in week two. The the Memphis game for your opener, there's going to be some emotion there after what happened last year. Mike Leach played that off. He's kind of like, hey, it's just, a, you know, we respect, respect him as opponent. And, you know, we, it's game one, we're excited to play. But you have to think there's going to be some, a little bit of revenge factor. And then I mentioned you're going to Baton Rouge the week after. And a 10 p.m. Central Time kickoff against a team out in the desert uh, that – that could be tricky. But now what I am holding out hope for, uh, I saw something today. Okay, I shouldn't say holding out hope because you don't want to wish injury on any kid. I'm not wishing injury on any kid. But Arizona quarterback Jaden Delora, who was a Washington State transfer, Mike Leach recruited him, um, saw something today. He's not been practicing for a couple days. So maybe that's something to monitor early in the season since State plays in week two. But uh, that's a game that certainly is really scary. So I, I can agree with you there, Lyles. What do you have, Daniel? You know, it's funny. I, I have my plane ticket and my football ticket for that Arizona game. Oh, uh, I'm so jealous. I, I thought about it, man. I thought about pulling trigger. I can't med school. can't travel that far. Uh, my dad and my, my granddad said, do you want to come with? I was like, uh, absolutely. My first alumni travel event. Let's do it. And, you know, I thought about picking that one. Um, and, you know, maybe we do lose it. Uh, I think we could. Um, Andrew, you know, I, I, I'm I'm surprised you picked LSU as like the upset. I'm not high on LSU at all. I think they're actually gonna be pretty bad. I think they are. 
Um, now, maybe that's just my bias towards uh, Brian Kelly and his uh, and his his fake Southern accent, but like, I think that's the one that we could like drop, and I think we ha- I think we we might could have it in the bag and drop it at the end, um, and be a big teaching moment. We could go into that one two and zero, and then just fumble it right there. Right? I mean, it could be a fumble where we literally uh, screw it up, and I I think we go LSU because I I don't. I don't have them that high in the SC West this year. So, you know, what's funny. And like, I kind of mentioned this where I was, because I'm not high. It's just, I know that they're going to be favored. I'm sure they'll probably like after they win a couple games, they'll probably be ranked. They're not ranked Mm -hmm. right now, but they'll probably jump up to the top 25. Um, And I was just sort of like, like ranking wise, spread wise, that would make it an upset. And there's a chance there. But I totally agree with you. And also just matchup-wise, I don't like the matchup force, even though I think we're, we are a better overall team. Uh, I, I actually have LSU last in the West. So it's, I'm like I'm contradicting myself to a certain extent here. I think they'll be a bowl they team. They were last um, in the West last year and beat us. Yeah. So and, – and obviously everyone looks at that game as like that was one we should have won, which we should have is what it is. But uh, – I. I'll admit, I mean, I was mostly on the Georgia train, and I was just I, – I was trying to find a, another game to look at. But also, I don't want to say Texas A&M because I'm, I'm sick of having their hype. Uh, so, But, yeah, I, I could see that State has lost to bad LSU teams before. It literally happened last season, and it's happened in some horrific ways. So, I could totally see that. Uh, Colton, we'll go to you. So, the way I'm going about this – there's not – there's a lot of interesting quarterbacks uh, in the SEC this year, Will Rogers being one of them. The only one we play that scares me, obviously Alabama scares us, and Bryce Young is a Heisman Trophy winner, big part of that. I'm not expect, expecting much from that game anyway, so I'm not really scared. Uh, if Georgia beats us, it's not because of Stetson Bennett. I argued with Andrew – not really argued, but – I would argue that it's not in spite of him either. I think Justin Bennett's a very capable quarterback, but he's not the, the motor behind that team. Um, it's, the, it's the talent at every position. Only quarterback that scares me is, is that we play is K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas. We should have beaten Arkansas last year. And I don't care what our, our Arkansas fans act like sometimes that they beat us by 40 points. We, we beat our, mm-hmm. us and uh, Mark Curls, or I don't know who the referee was at Arkansas that game, uh, beat us in Arkansas. So, they caught a hold on Martin Emerson against Traylon Burks. It was not a hold on fourth down. That game was over. We, won, we, we should have won the game. And th- for that reason, when you shift to it to at home, when you're as experienced as us, Arkansas is losing a lot on defense. They do bring back Jaden Catalan. They're going to be pretty good. They, they uh, lost some talent at the receiver position. I expect us to win that game at home. However, K.J. Jefferson is one of those quarterbacks that's capable of going out and winning a game for you. So I think that is our most likely game that we should win that we might slip up. Uh, Arkansas's had our number uh, the last couple of years. You could also go AM this route, but I mean, people outside of Starkville might have AM uh, as a as a favorite in that game. So I'll think Arkansas, I think they won't be, I don't think they'll be a favorite coming in. I think we'll be a slight favorite, if not a, a hearty favorite, but that is one where we could we could flounder. Hey, I can see it. So I kind of, you know, agreed with Lounge. Arizona would be my answer here. But if I'm going to give one more, and I've talked about this team some, it is just the fact that stupid things happen with them 
everything says Mississippi State should beat them this year. And after what State did to them on the road last year, we would have all the moment. It would be the most Auburn thing in the world for them to bounce back and have a good season. And, like, State's coming off a bye. Auburn has no weapons in the receiving core at all. They don't have a quarterback. All they do is run the football. We can stop that. On their de- on the defense, there there is like they have a good front seven, and sometimes that does worry me a bit. But State didn't have any issue with the, that defensive front last last year, and I think their defense probably is not as good as it was last year. So, I, I State should win the game, and I will pick State to beat Auburn. But dang it, if there's just not the like the Auburn Jesus side of it that makes me think, watch them, watch them pull it off. Oh, Auburn so, Jesus, Auburn Jesus is real. <laughs> he is very real. Well, it, it better than last year. He, it he just depends. It depends how he feels that day. Auburn Jesus died briefly because Brian Harson gave him COVID. But I do want to see if uh, if if Auburn Jesus has come back from the dead. So that that would be the the one thing that he does tend to do that. That that's what Auburn does. So that would be the other one I look at, but. I think Arizona would be like the 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 big thing, uh, the biggest one I would look at that really just scares me. And uh, I think it's about time we start getting into predictions. Okay. So we talked about going game by game on the predictions, um, and we, we sort of talked a little bit there. You know, chances for upset, chances for losses. Uh, we do need to you know get this thing wrapped up because we know this is a super long show. Uh, but hey, a lot of good, a lot of good conversation. So what each of us going to do? We're going to give you know, what we, what we think state's record will be. We'll specify what games we think we're losing and uh, where we think state went up at the West. So lounge, I think, I mean, you kind of gave it away earlier. You got state winning 10 games. So uh, I'm assuming 10 and two, who are your losses? Bama because, well, it's Bama and it's in Tuscaloosa. Uh, give me a, uh, I'm going to say we might drop the one in Baton Rouge. Okay. Definitely see that. It That'd depends a, on what time. It now, depends on what time that game's at. It's a night game, five o'clock kick. Oh God! Well, yep. Take it. Yep. We're losing to LSU. All right, D- Daniel. What are you seeing for the Bulldogs? It's at eight and four. Uh, losses at at LSU, at Alabama, uh, and then home against Arkansas, and Ooh. a close loss to uh, to A and M. Boo. Okay. Okay. Boo. That, that's going to be a tough I, 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 stretch there in the middle of the season, losing losing those games. Listen, that, coming home for that for the AM game, we better not. Listen, for me personally on Twitter, I can't I can't have us lose dark. So I understand for your sake, Lounge. You can't <laughs> anytime man, we play I, them in any Twitter or something. But by the way, Lounge, you have a second in the West, right? Yes. Where do you got us, Daniel? Uh Fourth. Fourth. All right. Colton, what are you rolling with? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have a different eight and four than Daniel, but eight and four is what I feel like right now. Um, not I, I really agree with you on the Georgia stuff, but I, I'm not, I can't call that game an upset right now. So I'm going to say Georgia, Bama, and then you're going to – and I know I call them as a likely upset, but it's an upset for a reason. I don't think we can do Kentucky – and LSU is going to give us trouble for something stupid. LSU is going to be the game where we feel like we should have won. Um, but you're going to win the rest of those games. Uh, you're going to you're going to win uh, all your home games except for Georgia. Uh, you're going to have a you're going to have a fun season, I think. Between with, it's 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 going to be the right eight and four. 
there's an eight and four you could lose that that has you scratching your head. If you go eight and four and you're and you got a loss to God forbid Memphis and Ole Miss, like that's gonna have people like doing like, man, what might have been. Uh, but the eight and four that I've got, I think everybody's gonna think pretty solid season. Where do you have stayed in the West? Eight and four. Let's see. So one of your losses is to an East team. So in the West, you're five and hold on. What would you be? You play eight. Be a four and four SEC record. Yeah. You have a four and four SEC record, and one of your losses, so you'd be. I can't do the math. Three and I don't know. You'd probably be. You'd be three and two against the West. What three and two? Against the West, yes. Three. That's only. No, you'd have to be three and three, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, three and three. Sorry. Yeah, I, I can't do math. Not that it matters. I mean, the, all the conference games matter. I'm trying to think. I think you're going to be right around third or fourth, but it might be because due to a tiebreaker. I think there's going to be a few eight and four teams. So, third to fifth, but but it's it's going to become down to head-to-head. So, I also have eight and four. I've actually got the same record as Colton here. Um, I really – like. I'm so tempted to, to bump it up, but I have to keep myself in check just to keep my expectations reasonable so that I, I, I can only be impressed. I mean, well, there's very – like, pick an eight and four against the schedule, and there's still a chance for disappointment. But uh, I, it's, I actually have the same losses. Um, well, the the other ones I would look at. They went eight and four. I went ten and two. Just go nine and three. Cut the difference. <laughs> you know what? Why not? Let's do it. We'll go nine and three. And I'll say that we – uh the only loss I would change on there, you know, Colton, I think you actually, I'm, I'm going to switch that Kentucky game. I'll switch that Kentucky game. I, even though it's on the road, like I, I'm not buying into them the way a lot of people are mm-hmm. now. So the interesting thing here, because we didn't even talk about this game at all. And we only have, we're about to wrap it up. This is the very last thing we are just saying a win in the egg bowl. So do we, any thoughts on that game real quick? Well, this is going to have a good quarterback. I'm not high on Jackson Dart, and and even if Justin Dart is serviceable, he's not a five star, four star transfer. He didn't he didn't prove that against Pac-12 defenses last year. Uh, you know, just under 62 percent completion, nine interceptions in limited action. I mean, that's or maybe it wasn't nine. It was at least an interception per game. It wasn't pretty. Uh, and in camp, he's been hit or miss. I've heard, and I know Luke Altmyer is a little more consistent, but not as much ceiling. You also got to worry about their uh, uh, transfer portal guys all gelling again. It's it's tough to to it might it might be work be good it might not be but every every year you run the risk that somebody just doesn't click. And I doubt. No, look, I mean, their schedule sets up for them to get off to a hot start, and I think like that uh, that does help them in the case that they go, gives those guys opportunities to improve and get to work together. That's what scares me. Um, that, But, I mean, like, there's, there's a path for them to start Taylor 7 and made, and finish 7 and 5. Their schedule's like, tailor-made for somebody breaking in a new D.C., a new O.C., and a new quarterback and a lot of new faces because it's just a, a slow warm-up, and I hate it. But, I mean, look, ultimately, I just look at it right now. I know the game is in Oxford. And that concerns me. And that was something that concerned me for a while. But ultimately, I like, I think we have the better quarterback. I think we have the better group of receivers. They're better at running back. And their offensive line is good. I'll give them that. But our defensive line is better. Our linebackers are better. 
I think our secondary is like they were going to, I think coming into the year, I had more confidence in their secondary, which feels so weird for talking about Ole Miss. But what I've heard, I've, I feel like that's probably a wash. I think state's just overall better team. So yeah, I'm taking us in that egg bowl. Yeah. I mean, Will's lost two egg bowls. Now he's not going to lose a third. Yeah, you can't you can't lose three egg bowls in a row. That that's some that's a lot. That'd be you'd be feeling a lot of pressure after that. Yep. Well, yeah, it'd be tough. So look, we're all predicting good seasons for MSU. We're all predicting a good level of success. This was a lot of fun to do. We have to wrap this up now. Um, so I guess I'll close this out here, Colton. Uh, it, it, ton of fun talking to you guys. Ton of fun previewing the season. Football's right around the corner. So uh, swing your sword, hail state, hail state.